Are you in recovery from drugs and alcohol and thinking, okay, I'm sober, now what? I've worked on myself, learned to feel my feelings, and healed my relationships. Well, if you are solid in your recovery and are ready to step into leadership, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Emerge, Evolve, Lead. My name is Maureen Rosgem, and I'll be your host. I had a great corporate career for over 25 years. I left that nine to five life in 2013 and created my own company called Emerge Leadership Academy. And that's when I became a leadership trainer, coach, speaker, and author who is also in recovery. I created this podcast because I believe that people who get sober and get into recovery learn some of the most essential skills to be a good leader at work, in the community, and in your family. We'll talk about recovery and leadership using your personality and spirituality as a guide to others. My guests will inspire you to step into the light and lead others on this path. In this first episode, I'm going to introduce myself and share the answers to the questions that I'll be asking my guests to answer. My name again is Maureen Rosgem, and by the grace of God and the fellowship and sisterhood of recovery, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink or a drug since February 3rd, 1985, and for that, I am truly grateful. I met my husband, Paul, in the program when we were both about a year sober, which is a great story I'm going to tell you another time, and we began dating at about 20 months sober. We were married a couple of years after that, and now we've been together about 34 years. I have a stepdaughter and a step-granddaughter, plus we have a daughter together, and she is married with four little ones. Yeah, my life has been an incredible amount of blessings because we have felt the hard feelings, done our inner work, dealt with life's curveballs, and didn't take a drink no matter what. I'm going to share a little bit about my story, how I discovered I was an alcoholic in just five minutes or less. Well, it all starts in my very Irish Catholic family when my mom and dad had six kids in eight and a half years. (laughs) Yeah, I was number three, one of the middle of the pack. Um, I was told when to wake up, when to go to bed, what to eat, what to wear, where to go, and how to speak, and when not to talk, and all of the manners of everything that comes along with being raised in a large family. As I grew, though, I really didn't know who I was. I didn't have a lot of choices in things, and I decided uh, to do what everybody else was doing and try to fit in like everybody else was trying to do. Long story short, in the beginning of the 1970s, it was all sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that's what I did. I stepped into that uh, culture, and I was probably 13 when I first started drinking and smoking pot. And 14, I was doing it pretty much daily. And uh, by the time I was 15, I was a full-grown, a full-blown alcoholic. Not full-grown at all. (laughs) I was a kid. I was a baby. And I really didn't know um, who I was or what the hell I was doing. But all I knew is that I wanted, I I was always chasing that next high. I wanted to feel good. I did not want to feel my feelings. And I was a very angry teenager. I did not like authority figures. I used to put cigarettes out with my bare feet because I never wore shoes. I had 
soles of leather on the bottom of my feet. And I just did not want to be going to school or doing anything remotely, um, you know, mature or responsible. My high school years were very difficult. In 10th grade, it was the first year I went to high school. I skipped like the first day of school and about another 65 days throughout that entire year. In fact, I missed so much school that year that the first week of my junior year in high school, I spent in detentions, making up for all the detentions I had missed in the previous year before they would give me my schedule. The same thing happened to me in my junior year, but and then in my senior year, I was in those detentions again in the first week of school. But after the first day, I went down the principal's office and I said, give me my schedule. And he did because I told him if he didn't, I was walking. You see, I didn't care anymore. But one thing that always um, made sense to me was working and making money because I had to support my habits some way. So I got a job, a full-time job, as soon as I got out of high school, and I got a part-time job in a bar. The drinking age was 18 back then, so I w it was easy for me to, I started drinking in bars when I was 16, and by the time I was, you know, 17 and graduating, I already knew everybody in the bars, and so I got a job down at Musquamacate Beach in Rhode Island, working in a bar and during the summer, and, and after summer was over, I came back home, and just got a job in a, as a waitress and I, I was going nowhere. I knew I couldn't go to college because I would probably just drink myself to death. So I got myself uh, a job in, as in like, I think it was accounts receivable or something at Coleco Pools in Hartford. And I stayed there for a couple years and worked my way up. And then I got a job at Colt Firearms in, in Hartford in the shipping and gun department of the uh, custom gun shop. One thing I did learn about myself at that time was I just never felt okay unless I had a, a man in my life or a boy, a boyfriend specifically. And I was not okay with who I was. I didn't want to be alone. I grew up in a large family. I always wanted to be in a relationship. And if I didn't have one, I was absolutely miserable. So I always had one and, but they went wrong and they went bad after a time and uh, one after another, after another, and pretty soon I had just ruined my reputation and I had ruined my, um, my prospects for good work in this area. And I just knew I had to get out. So I took my first geographical cure and I moved to San Antonio, Texas from Hartford area in Connecticut. I needed to figure out who I was and what I was going to do with my life. I knew I had a lot of potential, but I had no idea how to access it. And I just thought if I started new, if I started fresh in a new place, that it would be a lot better. Well, guess what? In the first year, I attracted all the same miserable things that I had attracted in Connecticut. And this time I didn't get to blame it on my boyfriends or my bosses or my friends or the people I was hanging out with. The only person I could blame it on was myself. So I was in a relationship with a guy at the place where I worked, which I do not recommend. <laughs> and the company sent us both to Austin, Texas, and we were there for not even a couple of months when they suddenly sent him to Phoenix. So we were separated, which he was pretty happy about actually. It was the relationship was over. We had been together for a, a year and a half or so and it was going nowhere and 
And so I was left alone again with no friends now trying to run a business. I was the manager of this wholesale picture frame supply company, and it was horribly difficult. I was 24 years old. I still didn't know who I was or what I was capable of. And anytime I needed somebody to drink with, I would drive back down to San Antonio to see my friends and get drunk. And well, a series of rotten things happened. Uh, and when it was combined with me feeling incredibly lonely, filled with self-loathing and guilt and shame for all the things that I had done every time I would go on a drinking bender down in San Antonio, I just couldn't stand myself anymore. And I knew I needed help. But you see, my mom had gotten help years before in Al-Anon, and I had gone to some Al-Anon in my teenage years, or, or Alateen, and then Al-Anon, and so I decided, because I didn't know anybody, why not go to Al-Anon down in Austin, which I did, and I started working the steps, and finally I realized I had those series of really unfortunate, horrible, uh, bottom horrible drinking bouts of, you know, blackout drunks and everything. And I'm not going to go into details, but you guys have been there. You know what I'm talking about. So I told her about that. She said I should have a chat with her husband. And he told me his story and I told him mine. And it was the first time I had ever really heard my story. And it was painful to realize that I had never been more than a couple of days without drinking since I was 14 and I was 24 now and that I couldn't even imagine my life without alcohol. So I decided to go to some AA meetings and I realized that that's exactly where I belonged. I related to everything that I heard in those meetings. It was the feelings, the despair, the loneliness, the self-loathing, the um, just, just really hating everything, not knowing where I was going. And now I knew that there were answers. I knew I could walk into a place and have people actually hug me. And it was um, an amazing beginning of a path that I took and began to really love myself. Although it took a while, uh, at about a year sober, I decided to move back to Connecticut. And what I would ask my guests, what I'll tell you next is, why do I think I got it? Because I've got over 35 years of sobriety now. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of times it hasn't been easy. You know, many people, they go back out. And I think the key reason to why I've been successful is because I developed connection with people. I got myself a sponsor and I went to a lot of meetings. And every day, probably for the first three years, I went to meetings. I got connected. I worked the steps. I also began a women's group with my sponsor and two people that I sponsored. And it's been 30 years now, and we've been together. We added a couple more to our group, and there's a core group of six of us now, and we have been through thick and thin together. We all kind of sponsor each other now, and we're there for all of our life events because you just cannot expect one person like your husband or your your spouse to be your best friend and your confidant for every issue in your life. There are some things that you need to to talk to girlfriends about or you know whoever's in your life outside of your family for when things are not as great in your in your relationship. People you can trust and you build that trust over years. So 
I got sober at 24 and I changed everything about myself. I changed the people I hung around with. I changed my behaviors. I got therapy. I started working on myself and I got on this path of personal improvement. So I got to my corporate job back in Connecticut when I was 25. This was when I learned about the critical inner voice. This is when I became very aware. I was about a year sober. I just met Paul. I just got my first full-time corporate job, making like more money than I had ever made in my life. And I felt like such an imposter. And I was so freaked out that people at work were going to find out about me. But I continued to go, obviously, and go to meetings and get the help I needed and talk about what was going on in my head. And I built my relationships. I, I made sure I was extra careful about not screwing up because I didn't want anybody to find out about me. And as I grew, I would take any class that was offered to me at work. And I got a mentor at work. I became really interested in learning more about how I could become um, noticed and I could really provide value to my boss, to my team, and to my department. So I continued to grow, and I kept working on that critical inner voice, befriending myself, looking at my personality, looking at my character defects, and working on them, apologizing, owning up, taking responsibility for everything that was happening in my life, not blaming anyone else. I went back to school in my 40s. My daughter was like 12 at the time, and, and I got my degree in psychology, my undergrad. And then I got my graduate degree in education with focus on training and performance improvement. So I started training people at work, and I trained other trainers, and I trained people to be mentors. I realized my highest value was education and personal growth. I read thousands of books. I took hundreds of classes and seminars, and I listened to tapes all the time. I know I'm aging myself now, but yes, I used to pop those tapes in the car, and um, I reprogrammed myself, and I continued to evolve and emerge into the best version of who I could be next, right? And now it's podcasts that I listen to. So I had many, many different bosses during these years, but I also had about 13 different jobs in those 27 years, and I would move from one job to the next about every two years because once I had built up knowing everything I needed to know in that job, I was ready to move on. Anyways, that's uh, it's sometimes my job was changed for me. I didn't always get to be the one to decide, but sometimes I got reorged and stuff. But I just had so many different bosses at work, and I pretty much ignored the bad ones and soaked up everything I could from the good ones. And I found that building trust, having excellent communication skills, and building solid relationships with everyone I knew was the key to my success. In addition, I always volunteered for the really fun community projects. Like I, for years, I ran the auction to raise money for United Way. And I would always jump on any committee that they would let me on if it had anything to do with rewards and recognition. And this is how I learned what people really value at work. And I began to mentor others. And I learned to balance being confident with humility. That's what I think is really the spiritual nature of the program, to bring 
and practice these principles in all our affairs. And honestly, it's been an incredible journey. I had a fantastic career until I decided to step out um, seven years ago or so and speak and create my own company. So the best advice I can give to a person in recovery looking to step into leadership is to know yourself intimately, like really listen to what your inner voice is telling you. These are your old beliefs. And if you're treating yourself like shit, then you have old beliefs about yourself that need to be changed. We need to become our own best friends. And this is all possible. I sort of became a personal growth junkie, like I said earlier, and I really got into understanding not only my own personality, but other personalities so that I could bridge the communication gaps and build those relationships. Now, I don't make judgments of others so quickly because it really could just be their personality. And I've learned by listening to so many people in recovery over the years and people in my classes and my clients that you just never know what some people were born into and what they had to endure in their early lives, right? You know what you've been through. So many of us have trauma that remains unhealed. Not everyone has the tools like we do in recovery, right? For the last five years, I've been traveling across New England doing leadership training. So let's talk a little bit about personality because I love personality. I worked with the Myers-Briggs type indicator for many years in corporate and I'm an extroverted, intuitive, feeling, judger slash perceiver. On the Enneagram, which is a personality indicator developed by the Sufi uh, tradition, I or religion, I am a seven. And for those of you that know me, you know that the one that I use all the time these days is Everything Disc. Now, Everything Disc is a Wiley and Sons brand of personality at work, and they do assessments, and I am an authorized partner, so I conduct these personality assessments and workshops all the time, and I love what it tells me. So the D in DISC stands for dominance. The Ds, those that have this type of personality, are they are the drivers. They go for results. They are constantly working. They're really good at problem solving. They jump over obstacles because they love to get results, sometimes to the detriment of people standing in their way, <laughs> but they always have the best product in mind. The I stands for influencers. The influencers are super social. They also are action takers and go for results. They do, they're they're go-getters, so to speak, but they really are good working on teams. They want harmony in the group. They like to work with a lot of people. They like collaboration, and they have enthusiasm as their primary trait. The S in DISC stands for steadiness, and those in this personality quadrant tend to be uh, more quiet and cautious and reserved, but they are super loyal, warm, friendly and collaborative and supportive. They're super supportive people. These are the resource folks that do a lot of the work behind the scenes and are sometimes the unsung heroes. The C stands for conscientiousness, the C in DISC. And those with this personality preference are 
very systemically organized. They're systematic in nature. They are quality conscious and they make sure that things are done right and done well. They're also uh, quiet and introverted. I'm an I, if you haven't been able to guess already. If you want to find out what animal best represents your leadership style, you can go to my website at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com and answer the seven questions to get your mini profile. The animals associated with the DISC, uh, the D, which stands for dominance, uh, comes out to be the wolf. The I for influencer is the dolphin. The S for steadiness is the St. Bernard, always there, loyal, rescuer, right? And the C for conscientiousness is the beaver leader. These are your engineers and project manager types. My personality has deepened and expanded throughout my life. I am more, I don't know, I would say solidified in my strengths and all of my weaknesses are less now. My challenges have been reduced because I've worked on myself over time. And also maturity has a lot to do with it too. But none of us are done working. There's always room to expand. And these assessments are not meant to label or pigeonhole you in any way, but they are meant for self-reflection and you get to decide how you wanna grow and who you are. So I'll be asking all of my guests about their personality and how they use it in their life. Finally, spirituality has played a huge role in my life. I was raised Catholic, so I suppose Christianity really got me started in my thinking, but for a long time, I considered myself a sinner, right? Because I was out there drinking, I broke so many rules and I knew how, quote, bad I was. And as a Catholic, like that's not okay. So in recovery, I sort of became a recovering Catholic for a while. <laughs> and then I kind of labeled myself as a born again pagan for a while too. But now I think of God as my universal source energy. I think maybe even Buddhism uh, is closer to what I practice now, but I don't really practice religion at all. I do continue to turn my will and my life over to this force of what I think is pure love. Like, I just do not believe that God judges me or is going to, you know, that there's this heaven or a hell that a person ends up in based on their behavior on earth. I think that actually this life can be heaven or hell based on what we do with it. So I've been to hell, I know, and I'm sure many of you have been there too. So I used to define hell as a place where I had to deal with shit that I didn't want to look at or feel feelings that were just so painful I suffered. But I know now that I don't have to suffer. I can just feel it. And somehow it just transmutes itself within my body. I just don't stuff it anymore. This is how we create disease in our bodies and our minds. And this is why I drank, you know, I just didn't want to feel. So now my practice is to meditate every morning, no matter what, no matter what. I meditate for probably 20 minutes or so. This is when I go within 
and I listen to any messages that my higher self has to tell me. This is where I do my forgiveness work and where I pray or cry. I always thank my higher power for the life that I've been given and the lessons that I've been given. I believe that healing relationships is what spirituality is all about. Allowing you to be who you are. Live and let live, right? And also letting all my colors out, like regarding who I am. Like I am here to shine my light. And I think that my purpose is to help others come out of their shell to emerge, evolve, and lead their own best life so that they can be the greatest version of themselves. Remember I told you that I've been training classes and speaking for the last five years? Yeah, but then 2020 came. (laughs) The pandemic arrived and all of that went away. So I decided to pivot in my business like so many and I began offering online training and coaching instead. And I created a course called Recovery at Work. It's eight modules online and 12 group coaching calls to help you step into your potential to create your future career with confidence and clarity. So we set up a foundation of safety first to support you so that you can create your own transformation no matter what life throws at you. You start with a full DISC personality assessment and workshop. You learn what motivates you and you learn what stresses you out. And then we get into the following topics. First, we learn about your personal energy and the creation process, how you can create the life you love, uh, values and making decisions, beliefs and reprogramming those beliefs, forgiveness and removing emotional blocks, Then we get into vision, strategy, and planning your perfect, most awesome life for yourself, dealing with fears and excuses, and finally, leadership, relationship building, and conflict and emotional intelligence. It's all huge, (laughs) action-packed, filled with deep work to get you to the next level of your greatest self. I'm really excited to launch for the second time in January 2021. So if you want in, please go out and take the quiz at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com so that you can get on the mailing list and learn more about it. I'm really excited to make 2021 an incredible year as we all step up together into the next greatest version of who we are. We have so much potential, you guys, and we truly are in this together. Thank you so much for listening. Let's make this world a better place and don't hide your potential because your contribution matters. So we'll see you next week when I interview my first guest, George Herrick, who is an incredible human being, as you will see. I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye for now.